Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, it's been a minute since we've done one of these episodes. I hope your Thanksgiving holiday was great. I hope everyone listening's Thanksgiving holiday was great. And you got everything that you could possibly cram into your shopping carts, either IRL or virtual on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, but it's nice and to be And Small back. Business Saturday. Small Business Saturday. Yes, you know, absolutely. The national so, holiday. Yep, absolutely. And today is Giving Tuesday, so hopefully you've got some money left over to uh, support some organizations that you care about. In the meantime, we have had a ton of interesting episodes that I hope you all have listened to over the past week. But if you haven't, let me run through who I talked to and what we did. I spoke with Stephen Schwartz, the Stephen Schwartz. I don't need to tell you who he is. I spoke with Heather Hawk, who is the librettist for Legally Blonde, the musical. I talked with her about that as well as her new book. Um, Grace, you and I shared some theatrical things that we are thankful for. Then I spoke with Sarah Esty, who is currently starring in Crazy for You down here in Florida. We talked a little bit about her time in An American in Paris. One thing I didn't get to talk to her about that I really wanted to was the fact that she was the final Meg Giri in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. So that was a great one. And then also Chip Zion was on This Week on Broadway on Sunday. And then on Monday, I spoke with Gail Merrifield Papp, the widow of the late great Joe Papp. So lots of great episodes in there. Um, You can check all of those out. All right, Grace. So let's get into what news we missed. And this is something that I didn't know this was going to be a big deal to you. But I believe based off your social media, this is a fairly big thing. And I'll ask you why here in a second. But the Broadway production of Town announced that the very original Persephone is returning to Broadway. And no, I do not mean Amber Gray. I am talking about singer-songwriter Ani DeFranco, who originated the role in the 2010 concept album that Anais Mitchell wrote and actually was the one that asked Anais Mitchell to release the album on her record label, Righteous Babe Records. So she has been a part of this show in this world of Town for nearly a decade and a half. She will begin performances at the Walter Kerr Theater on February 9th. Uh, I know of Ani DeFranco, Grace. I don't know that I could actually name a single song that she sang, but I believe you are much more of an Ani fan than I am. Yeah, I have actually used one of her songs to audition for that show um, called Gravel. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Like, it's so interesting to me that she's coming into it for a couple of reasons. One, the one that you just discussed, of course. And then two is that one of the big reasons that I'm not trying to take credit, but like Anais Mitchell opened for Ani DeFranco on tour. That's how she got her start. Like Ani discovered her, right? So like, this is a huge full circle moment for their relationship, for that artistry, for um, those fans, particularly like if, and, and I'm not trying to like close, you know, a chapter for them, but like, if this is the end of it, what a beautiful ending it is. And if it's not keep going like fabulous, like I want it to run for a million years. But if this is part of like closing this chapter as like a love letter to what Ani has done for Anais's career, I think that this is a beautiful, beautiful moment. I have to see her in the show. Um, she's an incredible lyricist and storyteller and musician and performer that I actually don't give a shit if she sings it well. I just want to see her do it. Um, I, I am first and foremost saying that I, I know that I am an absolute slut for for this type of thing. So I apologize <laughs> that I will not go in with um, 
you know, objective eyes and ears, but I think this is a, a beautiful way to uh, capture somebody who has been so integral to the creation of Hades Town, but also to Anais. And I think that um, it's going to be a real, real uh, exciting treat for audiences. Very cool. Well, uh, I'm going to actually see the show with Betty Who in January. She is going to be playing the role of Persephone through February 4th. So then there'll be a couple days and then uh, Ani DeFranco will come in after that. So very exciting stuff happening over at the Walter Kerr. Now, speaking of things that are exciting, uh, this one is currently going to be exciting over in London this summer, but might end up being exciting here on Broadway uh, shortly after that. But last week, it was announced that the Don Mar Warehouse production of Next to Normal will transfer to the West End this summer. The production will begin performances at the Wyndham's Theater on June 18th for a strictly 14-week season, a 14-week run. So 14 weeks, that's uh, three and a half months. That puts it at some time in uh, in October or so. That would make it very possible that if they wanted to bring it to Broadway this time next year, they could, or in the spring, they could. I have heard talk of that being a possibility. Of course, Casey Levy is the star of this production and a new reimagined version of the show. Could be. I Personally, I, I've talked about this before. I don't need to see Next to Normal again, but if there was a voice that I would listen to it again, it would certainly be Casey Levy Grace. Yeah, I'm actually really excited for like this leg of Casey's career. Like I think that through like Carolina change and then going into Leopoldstadt and then this, like it's such a different like from, you know, the Frozen and then Hair and like that yeah. world ghost. of musical ghost. Yeah, like I mean she's had an incredible career cuz she's an incredible person. Um, but I think that like, this is, this is just really exciting, like genuinely, you know what I mean? Because uh, we, we've talked a million times on the show of like women in a certain like age bracket, like the community kind of does this weird thing where they're like, if you're not even no Blazada or Patty Lapone, like, I don't know what to do with you Yeah, in and the middle, so, <laughs> in the middle. And I'm just like, no, like have these incredible, like those like mid time career moments. And I think that this is one of them. And and the way that people have spoken about her, particularly in this role is really exciting. Like I haven't heard a single person say like they were disappointed with the performance or the show, like everyone yeah. that has gone over to see it has really loved it. So I'm excited to hear her. Yeah. It seems like you're either an ingenue or like you're Dolly Gallagher Levi and nobody in between is allowed to have a career. Uh, but this is obviously something very different. But speaking of things that are very exciting happening over in uh, the UK last week, the Evening Standard Theater Awards were announced. Going to run through some of them. We will have a list of all of the winners if you want to check them out. The award for best director and they combine plays and musicals. So everything's in one category. So best director was Jamie Lloyd for Sunset Boulevard, but best musical was Guys and Dolls. Best musical performance, again, men and women, gender neutral category in here, went to Nicole Scherzinger for Sunset Boulevard. However, they do split up Actor and Actress Awards for Plays. Andrew Scott won for the One Man Uncle Vanya, just called Vanya. And then for actor, Best Actress was Patsy Farron for A Streetcar Named Desire. And the Best Play went to uh, Jack Thorne for The Motive and The Cue that played the National Theater. And I've heard, I've heard something about that for that. So anyway, keep an eye on that. If you want to hear, if you want to see all of the winners of the Evening Standard Awards, you will have them in the show notes. 
Now, Grace, I might have heard something about the motive in the queue, but we've all heard something about Hell's Kitchen. That is a show currently playing at the Public Theater downtown. It is inspired by the life of Alicia Keys and features her music and lyrics. It features a book by Christopher Diaz, is directed by Michael Greif, and choreographed by Camille A. Brown. While we were off, it officially opened. I am not going to read through all of the reviews or even as many reviews as I would normally do, but I do want to hit at least a couple for them. Let's start off with Jesse Green of the New York Times, who was positive, but not a critic's pick. He said, quote, even in the golden age of musical theater, shows so commonly died after intermission that critics came up with a name for the disease. Second act trouble, unmoored songs, desperate cutting, illogical crises, hasty workarounds. Yet all those second act symptoms arose from the same underlying condition first act ambitions. So it's not really surprising that an enormously ambitious new musical like Hell's Kitchen, the semi-autobiographical jukebox bit on the life and catalog of Alicia Keys, disappoints after the mid-show break, tumbling directly into the potholes it spent its first half so smartly avoiding. What's surprising in this promising show, which opened at the Public Theater on Sunday with the obvious intention of moving to Broadway, is how thrilling it is until then. So, thinks it's thrilling? Needs work, which is what you do an off-Broadway run for. Sarah Holdren, writing for Vulture, said, quote, Hell's Kitchen is chocolate chip cookies. Its shape and taste are familiar, and when it's best, it's because there are some extremely high-quality ingredients in the mix. She was positive, obviously. Juan A. Ramirez for Theaterly said, quote, There are times during Hell's Kitchen where it is easy to see how Broadway and the pop charts once worked hand-in-hand. The music is current and endearing, further enlivened by a cast seemingly unspoiled by conservatory training, or the idea that a stage voice should have all its kinks and character ironed out. That God, I've been talking about that for years. With an embarrassment of vocal riches undergirding her life's work and story, Keys might well soon cement her own cred on the theatrical street, which traces her home neighborhood's horizon. So very positive there. I think we all expect this will end up on Broadway, as Jesse Green alluded to, but I think it's good that they did this run, Grace, rather than opening cold on Broadway so that they could see some of those second act problems and hopefully get it worked out by the time it does open on Broadway, whether that's this spring, next fall, or next the, the following spring of 2025. <laughs> yeah, I guess everyone is also talking. Like, I'm hearing shows, you know, 2025, 26, and I'm just like, oh, It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, honey, I just got to know what I'm doing tomorrow. But yeah, it's exciting. And like, even on, like, Twitter or X or whatever, like I was seeing like David Gordon was talking about like how he was so invigorated by the show. And like, it was really exciting to see a Broadway day or uh, not a Broadway, but a debut like this by Malia join. And I'm just like, yeah, there's, it's, it's really cool. I've talked about her before um, on the show, but uh, I agree with you. I think that it's really smart. If this is the strategy that, that that's what's, um, taking place because we've seen time and time again, like very recently people just straight hard launching into Broadway. And I'm like, I don't know, man, if you, if you can afford to to take it just a little bit out or do it off Broadway, like I promise you it'll be better. (laughs) Um, But you know, you never know. Everybody, everybody has a different um, timeline and, and sometimes there's a ton of merit to just putting it on Broadway if they've already had gestational time elsewhere. But um, I think that this was a very good move for the show. And I think it's really exciting and promising. One more opening that I that we had that I want to talk about is Scene Partners at the Vineyard Theater. It's a new play by John J. Caswell Jr., one of your favorites, Grace, directed by the always incredible Rachel Chavkin and starring Academy Award winner Diane Wiest. The show 
as we've talked about before, takes place in 1985. 75-year-old Merrill ditches ice-cold Milwaukee for sunny Los Angeles, hell-bent on becoming a movie star. Now, what I did not realize was just how crazy this show is until I read the reviews. Jesse Green of the New York Times was positive. Again, not a critic's pick, though, so I don't know what's going on with that. But in his review, he said, quote, Scene Partners, which opened on Wednesday at the Vineyard Theater in a top-drawer production directed by Rachel Trafkin, is part of a genre you might call the absurd picaresque. Meryl is a hard-headed Candide, a sharp-eyed Don Quixote. When we meet her just after the long-longed-for death of her abusive husband, she is leaving Wisconsin for California so fast she doesn't bother burying him. In quotes, within the year, I will rise to fame and fortune as an international film star, she says in farewell to her drug-addicted daughter. Sure enough, she soon acquires not just her agent and acting coach, but also a contract to write the movie of her life. That seems very straightforward. Here's where it gets interesting. As Green kind of alluded to Candide and Don Quixote, you start to kind of understand what's underpinning this, but Sarah Holdren for Vulture said, quote, if you tried to adapt an M.C. Escher painting for the stage, you might end up with something like John J. Caswell Jr.'s Scene Partners. Its reality is fragmented, tessellated, constantly recreating itself. It's a house of interlocking, perspective-defying staircases, a dream hallway where it's impossible to tell which way is up. If you happen to be someone who takes notes during plays for a living, you might find yourself writing down helpful observations such as, Okay, so none of it's real? Then 10 minutes later, JK, it is all real. Five minutes after that. Wait, is it? Like I said, helpful. So we knew just by the people that were involved with this, Grace, that this was going to be something special. And now to read these reviews, I am so incredibly intrigued by this um, that I honestly have no idea what to make of it. But it just sounds so interesting and complex and layered that I'm dying to see it. It's kooky. Um, I, Did you I see it already? It. You've already seen it? Yeah, okay. 100%. Okay. Um, uh, thank you again. Shout out to the incredible team at the press room, um, Nina. And uh, yeah, I got to see it. I was also sitting directly behind some of those key uh, critics because obviously uh-huh. it was a you know, critics night. And I was watching people's reactions, obviously, because I like to watch two shows, the audience and then the show, um, which is, you know, what you and I do as well at things. But uh, yeah, I I was really curious about the reception. I think that a lot of this playwright's work actually lends itself to being filmed. I don't mean as a movie, Mm. I think being filmed. And I also don't know what I mean by that, but bear with me. So much of the writing is like, from a cinematic kind of perspective, it feels like I, I kind of zoom out a little bit and kind of recontextualize all of the actors and like exactly what the piece is saying kind of moment to moment, which is really cool. Um, I think that the way that it starts, it, the, the staging alone and, and the the scenic design is astounding. Like I genuinely really, really, really liked it, um, which is not a surprise from this playwright uh, knowing, you know, what he's done in the past year. Um, but I think that I would. I think this is actually genu- genuinely positive. I did not know which way it was going to go um, for a lot of these reviews, so I'm pleasantly surprised by all of this because the, the actors are really committed to the style of writing, um, and Diane is is just even her saying the most disturbing or like questionable things is also the cutest thing you've ever heard, and I think that like even her being like. My husband is dead. I don't care. I'm moving on. I'm going to LA. <laughs> like, you're just kind of like, yeah, bitch. 
Um, so it's, it's really <laughs> cool. It's a ride. And I, I think that they're pretty well sold out, but if you can get a ticket, I think it's a really cool messy, but I'm never surprised by what the vineyard does in terms of, you know, pushing the envelope. And like, I'm, I'm excited that they're doing their new emerging artists gala this weekend. Um, I I'm just, I'm always an awe. So thank you always vineyard. Yeah. All right. I'm going to run through some show and casting news here real quick that we've got. First, in terms of casting, we learned that Robin Herter will play her final performance in A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical on Sunday, December 17th. I still haven't seen that. Maybe on my trip next week, I'll, I'll do the Thursday matinee because I uh, I feel like I need to see that at least with one of the original stars in it uh, before it closes up. Then Danny in the Deep Blue Sea at the Lucille Lortel Theater has announced that it will extend till January 13th. It must close on January 13th, apparently. So those extra dates might be sold out already, but just passing that along. Also extending this one at the Atlantic Theater Company is the Buena Vista Social Club. The show has gotten a one week extension and will now play through January 7th. Also extending is Waiting for Godot or Godot, whichever way you want to say it, starring Michael Shannon and Paul Sparks at Theater for a New Audience, directed by Aaron Arbus. The show is now going to be playing through December 17th. And the final extension here is the Bedlam Theater Company's production of Arcadia. It is now going to be running through December 31st at the West End Theater. However, there will not be any performances the week of December 11th. All right, real quick, um, some recommendations. I have two, and Grace, you have one. Um, the first one is a video of Ariana DeBose performing This Wish, which is one of the, the big songs from the new Disney animated musical Wish, which she stars in. This is from the Disney holiday uh, spectacular thing that aired on Sunday. Check that out. I loved Wish. I thought it was great. I know different opinions are up and down, but I thought it was wonderful, so check that out. And then we haven't talked about this yet, but Shucked did a Tiny Desk concert for NPR, and it was wonderful. And what made this a little bit different is that Brandy Clark and Shane McAnally were on hand to kind of talk about it and then also kind of sing some of the songs with the cast. So really lovely, really exciting, and uh, we'll have that in the show notes. All right, Grace, you had something that you wanted to mention as well, specifically because today is Giving Tuesday. I do indeed. Uh, so I wanted to give a shout out um, for if you are in the spirit of giving and you have the means and the ability to give to a particular theater uh, related nonprofit called CoLab Theater Group. It is a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing creative opportunities without limits and boundaries. So I have a lot of friends that have not only worked with CoLab, but have been teaching assistants that have helped fundraise. I also am a person that is really dedicated to um, engaging more of the community in this particular uh, nonprofit. Um, but they help people with developmental disabilities and creative and social outlet opportunities through the theater arts. It is a wonderful, wonderful New York-based program. I know that they want to expand. They have grown so much, but I've gotten to see a lot of their shows and what they are able to put together with people of so many different backgrounds and so many different age uh, breakdowns. It's it's really exciting work. And um, everyone that's ever been connected to it cannot stop talking about it. Like I even know people on their board that's like, I would, if I could do collab theater group only, this is what I would do. So my recommendation is if you are in the giving spirit to donate to collab theater group, and we will have information on how to donate in our show notes. Awesome. That's great. All right, everybody, that is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Tuesday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.